Welcome to Ideal Conditions, a Polygon podcast. From controlling temperature and humidity in buildings and food plants to restoring critical documents like x-rays and rare books, we're here to explore the challenges and solutions for interior climate management and remediation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ideal Conditions, a Polygon podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you listening along to some broader facilities and building management thought leadership. As we explore today's content and introduce our guests for the show, I want to make sure that you're getting all the Polygon content you desire. So make sure you're heading to our website, polygongroup.com. Again, polygongroup.com, as well as subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for a full breakdown of previous episodes, as well as notifications when we drop new ones. So on today's episode of the show, we're going to be giving you some strategies for how to mitigate risk during the construction process of your building. And this isn't just a security conversation or a risk mitigation conversation around on-site strategies. We're going to be breaking down how risk management needs uh, need to take place before, during, and after the on-site construction process. As our industry professionals listening know, the larger construction industry is evolving in many ways. New technologies, materials disruption, supply chain breakdowns, and reinvestments into infrastructure at a municipal and federal level are all changing how the design, the build, and the maintenance process reach success, and how the success is even measured in the first place. So with our conversations today, we're going to be breaking down what those evolutions and main risks are from start to finish, how this differs between the professional roles that bring a building to life, and we're going to help connect the dots to some specific solutions that are sure to give you a more holistic look at construction risk mitigation. So here to give perspectives, I'm pleased to welcome our two guests. First up, Tina York, Director of Client Development for the Southern Region, and Ryan Cregan, Director of Client Development for the Western region, both with Polygon. Tina, Ryan, great to have you both on. How are y'all doing? Thank you. Wonderful. Good. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. Thanks so much to the two of you for joining us. I really appreciate, again, your time on the episode. Let's go ahead and jump in. I want to start actually by referencing an article that I found in EY. Uh, that I think summarizes some of these evolutions I mentioned during the intro in the industry pretty well. I'm going to quote some bits that stood out to me here. So first one, quote, construction companies will need to evolve, most notably by abandoning the linear and singularly focused business models they're used to in favor of more data-driven and circular models, end quote. Here's another one. Quote, companies will especially want to understand and implement key technologies that help them keep pace with change and accelerate the adoption of new processes as well as customer and investor experiences, end quote. This last one I find very important. Quote, evolve corporate culture. More calculated risk-taking, criteria beyond ROI, or commercial success to determine success, and non-linear career paths become key enablers of organizational evolution. So I wanted to 
toss these y'all's way because, again, there are a lot of major evolutions happening to the construction process. And I feel like those quotes, again, around uh, rethinking business models, around implementing the right technologies, and about rethinking corporate culture all tie into a reassessment of the entire construction process from beginning to end. So first, I want to ask, do you agree with this general assessment of what's actively forcing construction companies to adapt their day-to-days? Does this sound right? Is this what you're seeing in your own work? Yes, no, why or why not? Well, if I had to paint a broad scoping brush here, I would say absolutely yes. It seems that the construction industry is just extremely dynamic in the sense that it changes from a a day-to-day, hour-by-hour basis, specifically when you're managing on the project level. As you move up the food chain and you've got more of a C-level executive position, you're managing broader uh, multi-project levels. And, and segments like healthcare, education, et cetera, in the construction market. So you've got to pivot very quickly in order to move in a positive direction from the industry trends. And to piggyback on what Ryan said, I think the evolution of technology by managing multiple projects and having eyes on that project during the construction and the entire build phase is instrumental. And I think they've realized they've really... Uh, you know, have started utilizing technology in in so many different ways in the general construction phases. So absolutely, I think they have embraced it. I think they're moving in that direction and it's positive. So let's go ahead and take those high-level thoughts. We're done with articles for now. Uh, And we'll translate that into the core topic for today, which again are uh, understanding and strategizing around the core risks from start to finish of the construction process and understanding how professionals should prepare for said risks. So let's start by breaking down the types of risks that professionals face before, during, and after a construction project. We'll just get granular on those different eras of the process. So we'll start with before, right? This can include any number of things from scoping out the project, uh, designing the building itself. What do you see as some of the major risks and why? So before anything goes off the ground, there's a pre-construction team that's responsible for mitigating risk on the front end of a project. So that's scope review to manage specifications and address challenges and then provide those solutions, not only from the business level for the general contractor and all the trades, but also on the owner level. So if I'm a general contractor and I want to win a specific project, I need to communicate to the um, owner specifically that I'm the right person for the job. So one, I understand the scope and the challenges in its entirety. And two, I'm I'm capable of addressing those challenges uh, effective, efficiently, and, you know, understand the the budget surrounding that that, uh, specific project. Now, what about during the construction process? Uh, This part of the process uh, is, you know, a maybe a little more typical. Uh, on-site risks are usually front of mind for construction contractors and what the average listener may think of when they think of construction project risks, right? But there's another layer here that also includes things like innovative technologies, uh, new networks that have to be protected, um, but also just efficiency, right? The risk of lost money, lost resources. So give us your breakdown. 
so to continue that conversation, once the uh, scope is identified in its entirety, the project is awarded, most of the challenges we're seeing around schedule and those delays, and then the consequential liquidated damages. So any technology, any sort of solution that could be outside the box or existing that can equate to time saved and delivering the end product on time or even before schedule is, is appropriate. I've you know been in this industry for a short period of time. My background is primarily in financial and construction funding. But what I've learned in a short period of time being with Polygon, I do see the risks, as Ryan said, during the job and the thought processes during the build job and whether or not they implemented strategies before they started that construction job. So there are several I'm sure we'll touch on here shortly that um, can be mitigated at the beginning. All right, now let's chat after, right? Project is done. People are moving in and out of the facility. It is an active building, a place of work, residence. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't still some uh, maintenance challenges, as any facility managers listening would attest to. So give us your thoughts. What are some of the after risks that you think are important to center here? So as it relates to Polygon's industry-specific solution, which is delivering a healthy building through temporary HVAC, uh, a lot of the challenges that we see is if the contractor or owner decides to use the permanent house system during construction. And what happens is, is because of the moisture and the general construction activity that uh, is persistent throughout the project, the permanent system isn't designed for handling those challenges, primarily moisture and then the fluctuations in temperature, that uh, the increased load of people and all that activity like pouring concrete, installing drywall, any of the uh, coatings that generate moisture. We see issues with microbial growth, enhanced or challenges with the uh, duct itself. So all that debris that, that accumulates as well as general repairs for the HVAC systems or voids and warranties that don't allow the building to start off from 100% once it's handed over from the general contractor. I think it's important to get granular on a different set of metrics here too, which is that these risks manifest differently for different professionals. And I want to get more granular on those distinctions too, from before to after, to understand some of the different skill sets and roles that are impacted and how those skill sets kind of get put to work to mitigate these risks. So let's start with the general contractors. How do the before, during, and after risks manifest for that group of professionals? So under the spec review, it's their job to review all the specifications that are part of the bid package. And if you take an example like drywall, for example, uh, most projects, if not all, require the installation of drywall to be uh, in an enclosed building as well as uh, climate controlled somewhere around a you know a 60 degree temperature range now depending on the climate the challenges are, are vast so fluctuations in temperature uh, high or low moisture content surrounding the space and if the building isn't enclosed and the general contractor for whatever reason you know schedule uh, demands starts to install that that material, 
during the construction, they can have, you know, extreme challenges down the road with microbial growth. So I decide to negate the specification, maybe void the warranty because I'm behind schedule and I install a material that's moisture sensitive, um, that's hydroscopic, for example, that's going to absorb moisture from the outside or release moisture potentially if it's it's too dry. I can have issues with water buildup in the material, which will uh, lead to potential growth issues with you know mold that could affect me financially, uh, be it a lawsuit or a claim against the builder because I installed the material and I didn't factor in the specification for which it was intended. And now I have a microbial growth issue that the, you know, the end user is dealing with. And again, this can be end user specific, industry specific. And we talked a little bit earlier, you know, the end user, whether it's a data center, healthcare, whatever it might be, it, it, the contingency plan is going to be specific to the building turnover and how that end user looks at, you know, the specs. So that, that's something we have to think about. Yeah, that's why a collaborative approach to Tina's point, it doesn't matter if it's a data center, it doesn't matter if it's healthcare. Obviously, there's um, projects that have more risk associated with the type of building that they're producing and who's occupying it. But if there isn't a collaborative approach between the general contractor and the owner during, before, before, during, and after um, the turnover, things get overlooked and implications for claims against the builder ensue. Now, what about for the workers on site? These risks are maybe, again, more familiar and more expected, uh, but do have layers that are uh, new, if not enhanced because of the lingering effects of the pandemic. So give me your thoughts. What are some of the risks that workers on site face and how do these risks manifest specifically for them? Certainly, there's different challenges that a, a building through the life cycle of the construction will will face, but probably the biggest thing is climatization or acclimation of those materials. It affects the workers congruently in the sense that if a building isn't managed properly uh, or controlled properly, the, the, the people that are involved in the construction are, are, are facing through a two, three-year-long project different extremes in temperature and relative humidity that, like we talked about before, not only affect the interior finishes, but also affect the uh, productivity of the people themselves. And then you complicate that with, you know, uh, as the building gets enclosed, if there's not proper uh, air filtration, like uh, HEPA air scrubbers or uh, a certain amount of outside air brought into the space during construction, you know, people can get subject to to potentially the COVID virus, uh, as well as, you know, different viruses that are floating around, like the flu. Uh, one person gets sick, and because the indoor air quality is you know, poor, you know, everybody can be affected. And if it's too cold outside or it's too hot inside, the productivity of the individuals inside goes down dramatically. And that's why it is imperative to have a contingency plan. And we talk about this, we emphasize this uh, several times. So a contingency plan in contracting, I look at it like a commercial airline. You have three seats in the cockpit, you have a captain, 
you have a junior captain, co-pilot, you have the engine built while it's being built for the employees that are on site, for anything that might go wrong with the temperature, humidity, other issues that you can maybe foresee or not foresee. But I say be proactive, not reactive. And we see a lot of times where they don't include any type of contingency plan. They utilize BIM for the pre-construction for class detection, and they utilize that technology. And then when it starts to build, they might not necessarily think about relative humidity, temperature, leak, and, you know, anything that might go wrong during that phase. So it's very important that they think about all of those when they start building and not just think about it pre-construction. And I'm sure Ryan probably has a lot of experience seeing that. Yeah, and that's the nice thing about building in a contingency plan uh, with with a partner like Polygon. We can help the pre-construction team develop that contingency plan from uh, specification management to uh, providing different technologies in temporary HVAC and monitoring, like heating and cooling equipment, as well as dehumidification to control moisture, as well as uh, exact air remote monitoring, which to Tina's point, can provide a customer with immediate knowledge, real-time knowledge of temperature, relative humidity. We've also gone as far as to provide uh, leak detection, CO2 monitoring, VOC monitoring, and now even uh, particulate dust. And another thing that is really important to a lot of these builds, and of course it depends on, it can be site-specific, but they, they put generators on site. And what we hear a lot, I'd like to have a notification if a generator shuts down or is about to go out, we lose power. So if they lose power for several hours on that site and it's, you know, climate sensitive or equipment sensitive, they have real-time notification, hey, your equipment's down. We need to jump on it and not wait eight or 10 hours. So there are a lot of factors, you know, that come in place with a contingency plan to mitigate risk with all these different components. Well, I was going to intersect some of the risks for the building owner as well, but you kind of already gave us those perspectives. So thanks for filling in that context for our audience. I guess as a follow-up question then, are you finding that professionals are innovating around their communication? Uh, Basically, are you finding any innovative approaches to creating more cohesion around these risks, communicating them across departments? and again, creating cohesion across how they're approached and mitigated across departments. Anything of note? There, there's a, a myriad of different delivery methods for which construction projects are now being produced. Uh, one of the ones that Polygon gets involved with quite often and is a trending method of delivery uh, design build. Now there's different design build methods. However, what's common about them all is that the electrical contractor, the HVAC contractor, the structural steel contractor, they work together in a collaborative approach with the general contractor. They have different meetings set up that are involved to bring the group together effectively so that communication is 100% and people are held responsible for their particular uh, specialty. So if they can work together collaboratively versus uh, in silos, 
the chances of communication are increased substantially. And all those little nuances that may get someone into trouble down the road are brought out on the table and they work together to, you know, to remedy them and to move forward as efficiently as possible. I agree. I've seen with a lot of the larger GCs when they bring the subs in, you know, they have the subcontractors come in and I do see a lot more communication on the job side and including all the stakeholders, not just the internal GC stakeholders, but they will bring in the subs, engineering firms to be included in these meetings as they build out the site. And particularly with technology, when they're bringing in new technologies, that all of them will touch, see, feel at some point during that entire build. I think there is more collaborative efforts with everybody involved on that project. An important part of balancing these risks, too, is getting a micro as well as a macro view of the risks themselves because they happen at both levels, but they manifest differently when strategized around as a long-term organization-wide risk versus a minute operational minute-to-minute kind of risk, right? Uh, And that also influences the mitigation techniques. So how do you advise your clients when analyzing their risks to gauge both the project level and the business level impacts, but not siloed, right? Advising them to gauge these simultaneously, right? What is your advice? How does that manifest? I've actually been working with a client now. And again, I understand the financial ramifications when you have venture capitalists that are funding these projects. So when I'm talking to leadership with these larger GCs, we talk about risk mitigation financially. What does that look like? What can it look like if you don't implement a plan to mitigate risk during the construction site? You do have financial risks. And then I know Ryan touched on earlier, liability on the insurance side. So an insurance carrier may have a TPA, third-party administer, that manages their claims. And if something was to happen on site, that causes an investigation. If that investigation does happen on site and they didn't implement or integrate the appropriate risk mitigation processes, whether it was climate, remote monitoring, dust, anything along those lines, then that could open them up to more liability or potentially a lawsuit because they didn't do their due diligence at the beginning. So there are a lot of factors on the business side. And Ryan, go ahead and touch a little bit on what it looks like on the job. Well, we, we've, we've covered a lot of those already, and it stems from understanding the deliverables that are called out in the specification. So, you know, things that are uh, often overlooked when it comes to not building out those contingency plans, you know, a lot of general contractors, a lot of Uh, Owners may try to exclude a cost like temporary climate control um, as a savings up front, but then have to pay for that, you know, in more ways than one if uh, that contingency plan isn't isn't thought of. So if I don't uh, understand my responsibility to manage a finished specification that's being installed because I assume that I'm going to have permanent control of the building by the time that material is installed. But however, I've left that up to, you know, a myriad of, of, of different people involved in the building process. And if one of those person doesn't deliver on um, their uh, communicated uh, responsibility, now I am at risk to not being able to install material on time or maybe not install it 
properly per the manufacturer's specification. And now that trickle down effect can cost me, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars more down the road than if I would have just, you know, utilized a company like Polygon up front to build that, that contingency plan that I could then act on because I have essentially my ducks in a row. And do you find that this varies depending on the industry or the professional role? Let's say we're talking industrial manufacturing, or let's say we're talking a commercial office building, or we're talking a, a residential building, an apartment complex, right? Do the construction processes, risks, and then again, the cohesion of mitigating these risks, does that vary depending on the industry? Yes, no, why or why not? It, it does change, but the the opportunity for uh, complicated risks uh, does not. So while it's going to be different between someone like a multifamily general contractor that's specifically trying to get bodies in rooms versus maybe a uh, someone that's just focused on healthcare only, yes, the risks are different, but the consequences are, are virtually the same. And I also feel like I've had several conversations in the different industries and to some higher level positions, they're receptive to it. And then some roles, you know, during the construction phase, depending on who you're delivering the messaging to, it's almost like an elephant in the room. Sometimes they don't necessarily want to include a risk mitigation or contingency plan, or they don't think it's necessary until it is. So there are different thought processes depending on who you're actually communicating with. Have you found that at all, Ryan? I have, and, and everybody's going to understand risk differently. It's the job of the, the partners in the building construction to discuss those risks up front and make sure that there is um, appropriate coverage for those risks. What are some of the specific things that you're hearing from your customers then on uh, what they're seeking in their risk mitigation partners, their strategies, and their solutions? Are there any uh, very specific needs or uh, consistent needs that you hear from folks you work with? What, uh, What are they and why? What we're seeing now is in the IoT space, uh, and Tina can talk about this more so than I, but um, visibility. So what's going on in my construction project from start to finish and how am I documenting it? Not only to uh, be able to deliver a you know a present with a bow on it and say, hey, end user, customer, facilities manager, here's what I've done and here's how I've documented it, but for their own peace of mind and so that they can pivot on the job site to address the, the challenges that come up, you know, at any part in the construction projects. Yeah, I agree. The IoT space currently, actually it'll probably continuously evolve and be more demanding moving forward. But IoT meaning Internet of Things, we do remote monitoring, like Ryan said, and data logging. So the data logging component is instrumental to show a report that they've been managing that system. Remote monitoring is just a notification. So those two components together are what is really important. If they're building, for example, a large data center, and Ryan's familiar with this GC, they want something turnkey. They want a system that will show relative humidity, temperature, VOCs, dust. They want leak detection. 
because of sensitivity. The electric rooms are more sensitive to maybe another, you know, commercial building, obviously. So anything that has an electric room, highly sensitive, they want as close to real-time reads on those conditions through the monitoring and data logging. And they can deliver that to their end user. So again, that's an ongoing project. And they recently actually implemented the monitoring of the generators, you know, because they've, they've been shutting down. They can't have the power go out for a period of time. So someone has to be up there on site immediately to remedy the situation, whatever it may be. Very, very important. Now, I'm wondering if the actual uh, substance of the partnership of the service that your clients reach out for, if that really matters in their decision-making process, right? Does having a turnkey setup as well as a turnkey solution and a full-scale partner as part of this process, does this make it easier for your end users? Do they express anything like that back to you? What have you heard and what are they looking for out of that substance of uh, the setup, the solution, and the partnership? I mean, 100%. I think the one thing I heard recently, I want a turnkey solution. I would like to pick up the phone and call a company like Polygon. They come in, they set up, they do the install. Ryan's very familiar with that part. I'm more familiar with piggybacking with the IoT and the remote monitoring, what that looks like for them. So for them, they don't have time to pull guys from another part of the project to do the setup. You know, they're trying to keep their project managed on time. And a lot of these superintendents, senior, senior superintendents, that's why it's so imperative for them and important to them to have a turnkey solution. They don't want to be delivered a box and have to figure out how to set it up with phone calls. They want somebody to come in and actually do it for them. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, to Tina's point, gone are the days where people want solution that's piecemeal from start to finish. They want someone that's capable of, you know, being a resource on the front end to identify uh, challenges in the specification. They want someone in the middle of the construction project that can design, install, and monitor temperature and relative humidity in other aspects like CO2, uh, VOCs, particulate dust, and uh, potential for leak detention. And then someone that can deliver, help them deliver a, uh, a, a report at the end of the job that says, to whom it may concern, I've managed these specifications to their spec, and I've delivered, you know, quote unquote, a healthy building. And that is important for the end user. We, we hear that quite often. I do believe that some of these uh, remote monitoring systems, the VOCs, the dust, particulates, leak detection, at building turnover, they may remain on site because I do believe the end user is very interested in that. So again, from the current build job, being a healthy building to that building turnover, this is very valuable to a GC to be able to say, this is how we maintain this property during the entire life cycle of the build. We're turning over a healthy building to you. This is the current status and all the monitoring can remain in place. And even to the end user, they see value. I, I would agree to Tina's point. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and get a bullet list of strategies now. I want to um, rapid fire for our audience some actionable items. So in summary, what are your main strategies for protecting 
the timeline of a project, the budget of a project, and the structure itself from these various risks across the life of said project? And how does all of this factor into contingency plans that your clients uh, are placing a focus on for today's needs? What are your thoughts? So to your point, in summary, it, it, it is that very thing. It's a contingency plan. So engaging a supplier that can do it all. So um, not only is it important to provide monitoring before, during, and after, you know, as far as a report's concerned, for the end user, someone that's capable of doing the work and building the contingency plan that's right for the project. So based on, you know, the type of project, when the duration, you know, the start and stop of that project, the finished work that's going inside that project, someone that's capable of design engineering, providing that turnkey solution that can engage early enough so that we're actually a resource and not just an added cost down the road. Uh, And oh, by the way, we can monitor it from start to finish, you know, things of that nature to build that relationship and then deliver that healthy building. And that's just it. We don't want to be an added cost. We want to be included in pre-construction. We want the behavior and the thought process to be, you know what, what does it look like? How much are we going to invest to manage this building, keep it a healthy building, monitor the conditions? A lot of times they don't build that in their budget. And then when it gets to the construction phase, we may throw them over budget. So again, the contingency plan starts even at the very beginning, you know, by having a line item and allocating a certain amount of money to go towards a healthy building that is managed well, keeps the project on time, shaves hundreds or thousands of dollars off the project if it goes over schedule. So it's really educating them on that thought process. Absolutely. We've been talking a lot about the mitigation strategies, but let's talk about the net effect now, right? What actually happens materially when this is applied well. So um, when you have a strategy deployed for one of your clients uh, and it's deployed correctly and thoughtfully across the entire life cycle of a project, what have been some of the net effects of this level of strategy build out, this granularity and also uh, holistic macro and micro overview? Do you have any project examples from the field that you can share? Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was just talking to a customer that utilized Polygon for the construction of a large casino. They had challenges around temperature and relative humidity for their interior finish work. Uh, You can imagine the amount of uh, high-end finish work that's going in to a casino, millwork, other wood flooring, you know, the bars, to the, down to the doors, as well as the amount of structural finish work inside, like drywall. So they were challenged with not only managing a schedule, because the faster they can occupy this casino, the more revenue they can generate uh, right off the bat, but also the challenges uh, around the climate they, that they were in. They had extremes in temperature and humidity that prevented them from installing this material without temporary HVAC. So They contacted us to derive a budget. They were able to implement that budget into their construction schedule, present it to the owner, uh, outlay the risks of not using temporary HVAC based on the historical weather data, 
um, and then implement that at the right time during their construction schedule when they were enclosed, when they were to start to install this material. And they commented the fact that uh, they couldn't have done it without us and that we were a cost savings, not initially, but on the back end and allowed them to, you know, basically uh, install the material on schedule or before schedule, get that building closed up and occupied uh, faster so that they could start generating revenue. And me as well in the South region, working with this very large data center build, having that remote monitoring has been significant. I hear their pain and their frustration and you've got superintendents, senior supers that are working 15, 16 hour days because of maybe inefficiencies or something that they did not anticipate, whether it's rain, floods, leaks coming in, they can't lay a skid, you know, to put rails in for servers. There are so many different issues that can rapidly, you know, domino and create an extensive timeline during the build. And I know that they, when Polyon had gone in to set up the IoT with all the sensors and the leak, you know, wireless pucks, it, the superintendent said that changed my life. He said it changed my life to be able to see it and manage that job, knowing what is coming, to be able to tell my boss and their boss, hey, we have a handle on it regardless of the conditions. He said it's just, you know, it's a peace of mind. So I, I talked to him. I said, help me help you. What do you need if you could wave a magic wand? And he told us. He said, this is what I need in a perfect world. If you can give me all these components with this remote monitoring, you know, it would be fantastic. And we could probably utilize this on several other builds because it has been, it has been a learning experience, you know, on several levels, but it's been very successful. And it's, I'm really looking forward to this new direction. All right, team, we're close to done. Thank you so much for all your insights so far. I appreciate you getting granular with those examples as well. Last main thing I want to toss your way is something that you brought up in passing, uh, but there are a lot of new trends and risk mitigation that are associated with uh, the spread of IoT. So that can be anything from the construction process itself to building maintenance and day-to-day operations of a building, as well as in the design process. All of these various touch points are seeing integrations with smart design softwares that pull data from various sensors. There's just a larger influx of IoT-related data and OT data. Uh, So I'm wondering if you see things like remote monitoring, real-time control, alerts, or just any larger touch point in the IoT data life cycle, I guess, that is going to change how general contractors set some of their parameters or develop efficient design workflows in this space. What do you think? I think in the IoT space, if you're dealing with a particular build, uh, something like a data center that requires every component of the IoT remote monitoring, which includes the VOCs, the dust particulate, CO2 leak detection, there are a lot of components that are involved. They appreciate the visibility of having all that, and it helps them be proactive rather than reactive. And then there's another component to that. They have a dashboard. They can set the parameters to get their notifications. So they have a big, beautiful dashboard where everything is on, on a screen. 
that also provides a lot of transparency. So a lot of them say, you know what, I love the transparency, but then we also have transparency. That being said, there are a lot of eyes watching that job because everything's exposed. This is force of behavior to be very, and they have to make sure everything's done on task because everything will affect the conditions, the temperatures. Like I said, it's going to be exposed. So they love the technology. They also know they might have to step it up and really be proactive and make sure everything's managed appropriately. So it's twofold. It's a win-win in the end, but they also recognize, okay, it's out there now. You know, everybody can see what we're doing and if we're managing the site appropriately. Yeah, I, I think with, with any new technology comes positives and negatives or, uh, you know, plus minuses, but the, the positives outweigh the negatives in this case. Visibility to be able to pivot on a job site for, you know, having immediate reaction capability versus having a failure through the uh, construction project that could then snowball effect as it doesn't become detected versus having real-time actionable data is uh, much more important than um, having you know more eyes on the job. I think the more eyes could be spun as a positive than, than a negative in that case because if you've got more key stakeholders involved and there's actionable immediate data, then the opportunity for a failure that goes overlooked uh, lessens and lessens. All right. Well, with some of that future-focused crystal balling, let's go ahead and wrap up today's episode. Team, thank you so much for your insights today. It's really been a pleasure getting to break down your perspective on risk mitigation across the entire life cycle of a construction project before, during, and after how this manifests for different roles uh, at the macro and the micro level, and then turning that into some specific strategies that our audience can take away and start to apply today. Again, we've been speaking with our two Polygon guests, Tina York, Director of Client Development for the Southern Region, and Ryan Cregan, Director of Client Development for the Western Region. Tina, Ryan, thank you again for your time. Uh, and if folks want to find out a little bit more about the content that they heard today, about your services specifically, or they just want to get in touch, how can they do so? The best way to reach either one of us is by email or uh, by calling the 1-800 number uh, for Polygon. And basically, uh, your call will be routed to the appropriate person. Mine's a little bit more complicated than Tina's, so let's try with the uh, emails at the first go-around versus the 800 number. Tina and I are actively, uh, you know, very intimately involved with our, our emails. So hers is Tina, T-I-N-A dot Y-O-R-K at polygongroup.com, Tina dot York at polygongroup.com. Mine is Ryan, R-Y-A-N dot Cragen, which is C-R-E-A. G-A-N at polygongroup.com. Again, ryan.cragen at polygongroup.com. You can connect with us both via LinkedIn. And uh, the 1-800 number, 800-422-6379. 1-800-422-6379. Be sure to mention that you want to talk to Tina, you want to talk to Ryan, or if there's a project outside our zones, uh, we're happy to connect you with the other uh, directors of client development. All right. Easy enough. Folks, thanks again for your time. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you very much. 
Have a good afternoon. Thanks. And thank you everyone for listening to and watching another episode of Ideal Conditions, a Polygon US podcast. If you like what you heard and saw today and you want to listen to some previous episodes, you want to make sure you don't miss out on future ones, or you just want to learn more about the company and some of our solutions and services, you can head to our website, polygongroup.com, and you can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Ideal Conditions. Ideal Conditions.